T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. WTIC, Doug in Ellington. Good afternoon, Doug. Thanks for taking my call. That guy that was just on before me talking about take all the guns. Let me tell you, he says there's no uh, mass shootings in Europe. Well, he must have forgot about that uh, Charlie Abdul, whatever it was, the guy that did the character of uh, Muhammad. They shot a ton of people there. And then he must have forgot about the soccer tournament in the UK where they shot uh, people and had bombs. I mean, where do these people get their information from? Well, I don't even think that's a, a compelling argument anyway. You know, if if um, if there's a culture that 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 does uh, 10 times as much or 100 times as much bungee jumping as we do, and they argue over there you shouldn't have bungee jumping because in America they don't have it and there's no, you know, it's you, you make your decisions in life about what you're going to have. The interesting thing to point out to me is that we've always had the Second Amendment, and yet in the last two years there's been a 100% spike in mass shootings. So clearly something new is going on, and these people won't talk about the new thing. They only want to talk about the old thing. Right. The cause is not more guns. Uh, the cause is mental illness and uh, kids that are not being brought up properly. I think that's right. All kinds of societal ills that they don't want to focus on. And by the way, cops who won't, you know, there's so much government dysfunction. Government wants all the power, but the government can't even manage to do the most basic job. Like when the cops are in the hallway, tell them to go into the room. Why? Why is that the focus? Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC. News Talk 1080. Yeah, it's WTIC, Friday afternoon. A better weekend, I think, is coming our way. 860 The rant line number. 
860-751-4698. We'll take more phone calls in a few minutes. We're being joined by Peter Barron now. A little guest segment here. And and the reason Peter is here is he's a college. Are you still a college student, Peter? Yes, I am. I'm a rising senior at Fairfield University. What does a rising senior do? Is that a religious major? No, I just finished my junior year, so I'm, I'm not. A, I'm in summer vacation. Oh, right that's a glorified little expression there. A rising senior. I like that. Um, and you go to Fairfield University. Yes. And you've written a book. What tell us about your book? So I wrote a book. It's called "If Only We Knew: How Ignorance Creates and Amplifies the Greatest Risks Facing Society." And, and how book, would you I mean, know about that at your early stage of life? Well, I did a lot of research. Um, you know, it's not just ideas. The book has 496 footnotes. It's 296 pages. Um, did a lot of research with professors at my school um, and on my own. Well, what motivated you to write the book then? Uh, actually, I was motivated to write the book in my first class at Fairfield. I was in a class called Intro to Rhetoric and Composition, and I was also a sociology major. Um, and what I was learning in this rhetoric class, uh, we were learning about the earliest, early 20th century um, in this company called U.S. Radium, which was the leading producer of radium. And I don't know if, if you've ever heard of that, but there's actually a PBS documentary called The Radium Girls about this company. Mm-hmm. And basically in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, radium was like, pushed as this big must-have gadget. It had to be it was everything for the, for the war and, and, and household items. But the leaders of the U.S. Radium Company actually knew that radium was a very dangerous radioactive element and that it was going to cause health complications for their workers and for the people they were selling to. But they kept that information secret in order to increase their bottom line and to increase strength in their labor force. And when I learned about that, and I was learning my sociology classes, I started to see a pattern of what, of that, this, this pattern of these elite people who were, had information that was valuable to us, and they were withholding it so they could profit. And the whole point of my book, um, the thesis of my book, is just kind of exploring how the elite population in our country uses their power and their money to keep information secret and to actually convince us of false information so they can increase their profits and power. Boy, I, you know, that I see that going on every day, and I think it's pri- that's the primary focus of, of my radio program is studying government and seeing how government is lying to us and, and tricking us and launching false narratives to keep us in the dark about what's actually going on, just like you're describing. Yeah, so, you know, what I like to say is that the government and the corporate interests are really one and the same because at this point, especially after the Citizens United Supreme Court case in 2010, corporations have been given so much influence um, over our politicians that, you know, especially in the gun uh, control debate, where most of our politicians are basically being bought out by special interest groups and by uh, corporate interests. So, you know, we have really a gun violence debate that is pointless right now because nothing is going to be done in Congress because two sides are locked into whoever is funding their campaigns. So when do you think this began, this um, leverage? I mean, you're saying it only goes back that far, but we've had the gun debate for decades, and that argument basically has been stalemated for decades. Yeah, exactly, because the, the debate we're having about whether we should have gun control or whether there should be no regulations on guns, it's really a bad faith argument. It's bad faith debate that's happening because one side, you know, especially the Republican side, has no um, no desire to do anything to legislate on it because their campaigns are funded by the NRA and other groups like that. And if they were to suggest 
or even think about doing anything for gun control, they would lose their seat in Congress. So, of course, they're not going to do that. So when we have these... But, but hang on a sec. Isn't it just the same on the opposite side, that it's a great issue for Democrats to argue for uh, gun control, even when there will be no efficacy in what they propose? Well, why they, but they both have constituencies. That's what drives them, right? They want power. They get power from votes. And yes, yeah, so the NRA, the NRA only, only has influence because there are hundreds of thousands of people in America who pay a membership fee to the NRA. So it's really about a constituency, not about uh, a, a single uh, special interest group. Well, the NRA also has influence because they're linked with the pro-gun corporations and, you know, the gun manufacturers, ammunition manufacturers who have, that's a $28 billion annual industry. So they have tons of money they could spend on lobbying efforts. Um, they have tons of money they could spend on advertising, and there's not really one big gun control group um, on the Democratic side that could fund the way that the NRA is funding. But the, the, the Democrats are just as com- the Democrats are just as committed to their their uh, anti-gun voters as the Republicans are. I mean, I, I don't see the difference between the two sides. Well, the difference between the two sides is, is is one side is based on evidence, and one side is based on nothing. And the one side based on evidence is the gun control side, because if you see every other European country, after there was mass shootings in their country, they implemented gun control, and there's no more mass shootings. So that's evidence. On the uh, conservative side, they're just saying, you know, we need, I don't know, bulletproof doors, one door, whatever the, the argument is. There's no evidence to support that, and there's also tons of evidence that the reason why we have mass shootings in this country is because we have more guns than people. We have way too many guns on the street. And the evidence is pretty clear there. So we have... Well, no, it isn't. It isn't clear at all. Why isn't it clear? Well, because we've always had guns. Oh, yes, I'm actually very happy you brought that up because I wrote, I talk about that in my book and how we've had a shift in gun culture in our country. Um, gun culture 1.0, as I called it in my book, was the response. There were responsible gun ownership. People own guns for sport, you know, for collectors' items, uh, whatever. But in starting on like the, during the tough on crime era, but especially in the 1990s to today. Uh, we've shifted to gun control 2.0, in which most people now buy guns uh, based on fear and based on self-protection. If I could just give a statistic, in 1999, um, only 28% of people cited self-protection as the reason for owning a gun. And as recently as 2017, 67% cited self-protection as the reason for owning a gun. So we see that's a dramatic shift in why people are buying guns. When you buy a gun to protect yourself, you've crossed two lines. One, you're willing to kill someone if necessary, and you're willing to kill someone with a gun. So that's a completely different reason for buying a gun. I think that's very much to blame for why we're seeing an increase in um, gun violence, especially mass shootings. But are the people, have you done a survey to see if the people who are doing mass shootings are the people who bought the guns for self-defense? Because that would seem counterintuitive. Well, I mean, that would be a very hard survey to do, considering, you know, relatively there are very few people who are committing mass shootings compared to the great Exactly. Population. So it would be a really easy thing to do. You would just take the list of people doing mass shootings and find out how they got their gun and why they got their gun as best you could. And we hear all the time the media tells us why they got their guns and how they got their guns. So I think that would be easy. And I think you would find out that virtually nobody who bought a gun for self-defense purposes was having a uh, conducting a mass shooting. And and yeah, then you've you've you switched your argument there. So I I agree with you. There are cultural changes in the country. That's where you are now in your argument. You started out saying there was no reason at all to argue for guns, and now you're saying that the reason we have shootings is because we've had cultural changes. So it's not well, about the fact that it's we have 
Well, restate your case then. What I'm saying is there is a reason that we didn't have uh, the amount of mass shooting um, in, let's say, the 1950s as we do today. And a lot of it had to do with the type of guns that people were owning and how many guns were on the streets. But a lot of it has to be attributed to the, the cultural change, sure. Um, but what I, was, what I was saying in the beginning was that our country is the only country in the entire industrialized world that has not responded to mass shootings with, with gun control measures. And every other country that has responded with gun control measures have eliminated mass shootings. So I think, you know, those two things are not, not contradictory points that I'm making. Um, but it, it, you would, when you see that, that the fact that the United States isn't responding, it would, it would beg the question, well, why aren't we responding? And I believe that the answer is that we have one side that is basically bought out by the pro-gun interest groups, um, and but you're ignoring the Second Amendment. We have a constitutional no. right to own arms. How would you ever eliminate them? Well, you could look right now, even though we have this right to own guns, there is a line that we draw between what kind of guns you can own. You can't own an RPG in this country. You can, you know, so we're all, just, all we're saying is just draw the line a little bit further back. Um, so well, you're saying a lot further back because you want to get rid of all guns. Well, I didn't, first of all, I never said all guns, I, but... Well, wait a sec. Didn't you didn't you say that the the other countries have eliminated guns in response to shootings, and now they don't have them anymore? And why we should do the same thing? Well, that that's what I, I mean. And personally, that's that's my opinion because that's what other countries have done. But um, we, the point is that we've already drawn a line um, with gun control. So gun control is in our constitution because we already have it. So there's no reason why we can't have more gun control. And even in the in the Second Amendment, it, it does say the terms well regulated. Um, so this should be a well-regulated regulated industry, just like the industry of auto vehicles. You know, you can't just buy a car and drive it without Well, the, the re- well-regulated phrase refers to the militias, but the Heller decision... Well, it, it, never, it never says an individual's right to own gun. It says the people's in general. Yes, but so, the, I mean, the Supreme Court has said that individuals have a right to own guns for their own defense. Which was a very radical change in, in the precedent for the last 200 years. Yes, but it's, it, is the, Court, it is but. the law of the land. I, I mean, that's... I really believe that you know that's besides the point. The point I was trying to make was about the the money and politics and how that's really um, that's really the issue here. Because yeah, I just don't like my only objection. We're talking to Peter Barron. He's a student at Fairfield University, and he's got a book out. Tell us the name again. If only we knew. If only we knew. My only objection is that you're trying to make it into their good guys and bad guys, and I view the political class. I see the elites as you started off by saying as a singular unit that there's no difference between politicians and business people for the most part except that business people are necessary they create jobs and economic activity and that politicians are the leeches who who con us out of the money that gets generated in that economy and they use it for nefarious purposes and and for uh, driving us into grotesque debt which we're in right now as a result of the political elites but nevertheless, structurally, they're basically the same. They work in cahoots with each other. And the two parties have split us up into two sides on, on which, whether we're pro-gun or anti-gun. And they both get votes for doing that. So, for yeah. example, let me just give you a, a little, because I was talking about this earlier today. I find it very interesting, and I think you will as well. Uh, Chris Murphy, who has been very aggressive in his um his rhetoric most recently against guns when he first well right after sandy hook he had a whole different feeling about this and if i can find the right cut i will play it for you all right let's try it you can't solve all this with 
laws anyway, right? I mean, you can put all the gun laws on the books that you want. If these kids have a feeling of hopelessness in these cities, if they think that the only power that they have is the power exercised through a gun in their hand, if they've got, you know, broken families with histories of abuse and neglect, if they see kids dealing drugs on the way to school, um, if they have no role models, um, no gun law in the world is going to stop somebody from picking up a firearm and doing something dumb with it. So, Chris Murphy, no law in the world is going to stop somebody from picking up a gun and doing something dumb with it. The same guy who put on a big performance uh, 10 days ago on the floor of the Senate to launch himself into a higher uh, orbit as a, as a national politician. And I think this reveals really what this is about, which is they randomly choose which side they're on with, with uh, issues so that they can propel themselves. And to pick one side and say this side is good and that side is evil is missing the essence of how politics works. So I agree with you in part, and I do agree that uh, you know, both sides are beholden to money, and which is why I believe the, the answer, especially to the gun violence um, uh, problem that we're having in this country, but really to all of our problems, is to get money out of politics. Because we can't even have a good-faith discussion when you have politicians, like you said, who are picking their sides randomly on, on based on whatever is going to get them elected and elevate them to higher status. So really the answer is we need to get money out of politics, and to do that, we need to have widespread democratic reforms. Um, you know, we need to ban lo lobbyists giving money directly to politicians. We need to ban lobby lobbyist bundling and a ton of other uh, solutions to get really corruption out of our politics. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that's really the, the biggest issue here, because right now we could debate all we want. You could disagree with me whether gun control works. Um, you know, you could disagree with me if people are just going to do bad things no matter what. Um, but this debate doesn't even matter, because right now we have... A, as you said, both sides are interested in keeping this issue alive for their political uh, purposes. So until we get the money out that um, that is making them interested in having this issue uh, relevant, then we're not going to be able to solve this issue. Yeah, but right now I feel like we're we're, we're not going to get the money out. It's the same. It's the same thing because the uh, the two sides will polarize in the same way, and as long as they can have us fighting amongst ourselves, they're happy because it they can divide us and. Well, Keep us focused on fighting. To an extent, yes. But at the same time, there are candidates who are running for office who are you know, pledging not to take money from these big corporations. Yeah, um, they don't get votes. And we need to become informed about and vote for. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Yeah, they don't get they don't get votes. I mean, we could get informed about a bunch of things and have a lot better government. All right, this was fun. Thank you, Peter Barron. Appreciate you being here. Good luck for with the book and uh, congratulations on being so ambitious. something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Yeah, that was fun. I like hearing those bogus anti-gun arguments. Jim West Hartford, hello there. How you doing, Todd? What's happening? Todd, I keep on hearing people saying, why do you need to own an AR-15? And I went back and, and looked at some of the old news clips, going back to 1989. And you start looking at things like uh, L.A. riots, where the rooftop Koreans saved their neighborhood because they were armed. For three days, the cops yep. were nowhere to be found. Yep. Uh, after um, Katrina, in the wealthy neighborhoods, they hired Blackwater contractors. They are 15s and body armor to protect their neighborhoods the cops were nowhere to be found. In Ferguson, store owners stood in front of their uh, stores with AR-15s because the cops were nowhere to be found. It seems to be becoming a reoccurring theme. Yes. Well, it's an official argument of the left. The cops. What's that? Oh, that cop. I said that the police will be there to save you. Yes. Uh, it, it's not a very reasonable expectation. Good argument, Jim. I don't think they should. Uh, anyway, it's a, it's a lousy argument to say, I don't see why you need. It isn't uh, that we need a particular gun. It's that we have a right to it. Bill in Southington. Hi, Bill. Hello, Todd. And i got to say, I'm so sick and tired of listening to these people say, when it comes to the Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia, there's so much more behind that amendment than that's just in a militia. If they do their homework and they really study the process in which the founding fathers went through, mm -hmm. they came from a tyrannical government. We have the Second Amendment so that we don't have a tyrannical government, so we have something to fight back with. That was one of the main reasons. But why is that phrase at the front of it? You know, it's, a, it's like it's a qualifying phrase. It, it suggests when you read it that the second part of it is only there because of the first part. It's all-inclusive, the first and the second part. Someone brought that up during the discussions. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. They said, well, you have an army now. And they said it has nothing. It's, it's, not, it's not about a standing army. It's a militia where people can gather into a militia. Somebody somebody brought it up uh, back when they were drafting the Constitution, or you mean at some discussion since then? No, no. When they were when they were forming the Constitution, 
Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to come on and plug a book, but I recently purchased a book <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that gives the whole background of the Second Amendment. You know, and they want us, they want to sit there and say, "Oh, so much money is being pumped in." It's the same way on the other side. To, to yeah, fight sure. The guns. Yeah, well, that's I mean, how politics that's, works. I mean, exactly. That, so that's a ridiculous argument in and of itself. I thought so. That's why I dispatched with it uh, fairly quickly. Bill, thank you so much for the call, and have yourself a really good weekend. Appreciate you taking the time to do it. <laughs> Back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Whoa, it's WTIC. I know we've got a, a full board of phone calls to talk about guns, which we will do in a few minutes. But joining us right now is Dominic Rapini. He is a candidate again, and he's good at it. Don't you get, don't you feel, Dominic, that? Politics is a hard business, and you have to do it a couple of times to uh, learn your way around the ropes. Todd, it, it is a hard business, and there's a you know you do have to learn it. I you know I'm not a I'm not a a political person. I'm an out, kind of very much an outsider. So this is my second time around for candidate, and I'm the endorsed Republican candidate for Secretary of the State. So I have won a convention, something I haven't done before, and uh, and I'm coming in armed with the teeth and. And with a, a very very strong election budget, right but at, but at the same time you're uh, you're good at it because you have to be personable and you have to be passionate about your your ideas and you have to have philosophical underpinnings which you which you have and that that philosophical underpinning becomes the the foundation that you stand on and that makes you relatable and makes the whole campaign work. All right. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. Listen. I, say, I tell everybody, and I truly believe that I'm a principled conservative, and that informs me on every decision uh, that I make. So if you, have, if you have some core principles, then you can never get it wrong <laughs> because you, you fall back on what your principles are, and that, that tells you where to go. No, you're right. It makes it all easier. And I think, I think a lot of the uh, – you look at a lot of people who struggle with the business, and uh, even when they're winning elections, they, they have this feeling about them that something's wrong, and I think it's because they don't have those underlying principles that you're talking about. So tell us what yours are and what makes you, you know, how that, how those connect to the political moment that we live in and why you're doing something so big and so bold as, as uh, to make this run. Yeah, Todd, so my core principle is that you can't let the knuckleheads win. <laughs> Let's start with that. You know, we, we have... Um, some of the jobs in government are very simple and very straightforward, and sometimes you just have to roll up your sleeves and do the work. You got to, my, my, I believe, in staring at the at the data, uh, staring at a problem and getting it right. I believe in listening to people. In my case, I listen to the election officials around the state. Um, I stare at the, the data from our voter rolls and from our elections. I see problems that have to be fixed, and um, so when you come back, and then it's at the end of the day. Um, I try to do everything I do. It's got to be based on, you know, doing the right thing and, and trying to do it with as minimal, minimal government as possible, right? I just got to make sure we, we take what we have, not expand it, and do it right. I, I love the fact that we have 169 towns uh, running our elections, and I don't want to see county-based elections like we see in, in other states where, 
all the battleground states. That's where all the problems happen when, when you know, ballots had to be transported. So let's keep it the way it is because what we have is a system that works. All right. So um, if you if you get elected secretary of the state, we're talking to Dominic Rapini, the Republican candidate, then Ned has this new idea for uh, for there to be somebody who is who is working for the secretary of state's office in order to control the free exchange of ideas in the state. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So so. Denise Merrill and Ned Lamont and the, the Democrats up in Hartford decided that it was a really good idea to pay someone $150,000 to be the election misinformation officer to monitor all the, all the stories about elections in Connecticut and nationwide and then come back with rebuttals or decide what was true or what's not true. Uh, I, I look at this a couple different ways. One, it's an insult to our, to our Connecticut voters saying that we're not smart enough to figure out the truth for ourselves, right? It's an insult to the media because this really should be their job, right? The media should be out there, uh, you know, pulling together the, the facts and what's right and what's not right uh, and, or what's incorrect. It's not the job of government. I mean, when has government ever been like the, the source of truth? Uh, it, it just, it's mind-boggling. Well, even worse, you don't want to have somebody with the authority to decide what truth is no. because... If you give that to somebody, that becomes a political um, power center that everyone's going to try to manipulate, and they'll keep changing what the truth is. There are no guardrails in this position to keep it from becoming a partisan yeah. hammer, right, to hammer opponents. And so what I've told, what I've got on record on social media and in my press release, <laughs> Denise Merrill, I just said, I said to them, guys, don't bother filling this position, because when I'm the, uh, when I'm the Secretary of State in November, it's going to be the first job I cut. So you might as well just make it a summer job and be done with it. But otherwise, don't fill this job because this is – I'm not going to let American uh, Canadian citizens have to <laughs> suffer under this job. And, and I'm going to use that money some another way. So they gave and you a nice you opportunity when they did this, huh? It was a nice opportunity because it's, it provides a clear contrast, right, between a, a conservative approach to elections and to First Amendment uh, you know, compared to uh, the liberal, you know, the ruling elite in Hartford. There's, there can't be more of a contrast than we have coming up this, uh, this fall. And this is, a, this is just one example. Um, you know, back in January, the AP, uh, ABC did a poll that only 20% of uh, respondents felt that they were, they were confident in the integrity of U.S. elections. Mm -hmm. That means we have a lot of work to do, right? But the government telling us what's true and what's not true is not one of them. I mean, that's how, you know, when the government's in charge, what do we hear? Oh, we hear, you know, we ask ourselves the question, is Stacey Abrams still the governor of Georgia? You know, uh, was Hunter, laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop a, a Russian plant? And uh, did the Russians keep Hillary from winning in 2016? This, you know, that's a different disinformation that we got to be concerned about. But let the media take care of it. Let's not, let's not put the government in charge of our, of our truth, because that's the job of, of the citizen, right? It's our job to discern what's true and what's not true and make our own decisions. We're talking to Dominic Rapini. How do people find you online, Dominic? Yeah, on social, uh, whether it's true social, uh, Facebook or Twitter, it's Dominic for CT. At Dominic for CT is my handle. My website is Dominic for CT .us, and, um, and I'm looking for people to sign up and volunteer. I've, um, I'm going into this election with $1.5 million budget. I qualified for CET. I'm the first candidate to do that. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, oh, just, yeah, just under 500000 for this summer. And then in the general election, I'll bring in almost another million dollars. 
uh, to prosecute my my uh, this race. So t- tell us about as as somebody who's out there campaigning every day. You you have an unusual sense of the energy of the state. What is and given uh, when was your last run for office? Was that four years ago? It was four years ago, twenty eighteen. Yeah. So uh, what do you see in terms of you, as you compare then to now, and what the vibe is in the state? Tell us what you're seeing. Yeah, huge. There's a lot of contrast, right? I've literally been to almost one hundred fifty. Uh, towns in Connecticut in the last seven months. And what I've seen over and over again is the Republican town committees, which I visit the most often, the, 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 the membership is swelling, right? The rooms are packed with people and the, and there are new voters coming in, uh, new people changing, becoming uh, Republicans. And we're seeing that everywhere we go. Then I see another group of people that the young parents, you know, the 40 something parents, the 40 year old parents that are, usually unaffiliated, they've never been political, they are coming out of the the woodwork and kind of rediscovering the Constitution, Todd, right? And for the first time, they're understanding that their rights are national rights and not rights, you know, given to them by government. They are inspired by these the mandates and the Mm -hmm. sexualization of their children in school. So this is going to be another huge voting block. And there's a third voting block that everybody should be excited about, is the emerging conservative block of Hispanic voters in Connecticut. There's 188 uh, nationwide. We're seeing 59 percent of Hispanic voters are trending Republican. We saw Virginia. It's, it's a remarkable thing, isn't it? Huh? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on your stat from Virginia, but it's just so remarkable and unexpected for the average person to think about that Hispanics are moving to Republicans. That Republicans have become the party of working people, and that even uh, even Hispanic voters who we might have imagined would be pretty loyal to Democrats, it turns out are peeling away because they want somebody yeah. to represent their interests and they see Republicans as the ones who do that. They want to vote their values for the, for, for the first time. You start to see that they're not getting any response or satisfaction from the way they've been voting for, for decades. And I'll tell you, you know what, the, when I survey the Hispanic voters, and you see this in the national surveys, you know what their number one concern is? It's, it is inflation. And I was a little puzzled by that at first because I thought it would be CRT or law enforcement, mm-hmm. you know, safety. And when I talk to young people or, or people who have immigrated here from Cuba and Venezuela, you know what they say to me? Stop. That makes perfect sense because inflation is the first sign of socialism and where we came from. And that's a sign that things are happening, followed by, you know, totalitarian mandates, uh, gun grabbing like you're talking about today. You know, that we've seen in New Zealand and Australia, uh, and we're starting to see in Canada. Uh, you know, these, these examples of, you know, trying to control the population and then disarm them are, are, are what Hispanic voters see this. And, and they, they've got nowhere else to run. This is their last stand. So they know that in the ballot box is the only way they're going to make a difference and protect the country that they now love. I mean, they love America, and they want to preserve America that they, that they immigrated to. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point about the loving the country. You know, ultimately, people come here because of what liberty offers. And and that starts with being paid a fair wage for the effort you put in. So if you're coming, if you, if you want to work hard to advance yourself, you can do it here. And there's a lot of places where it doesn't matter how much work you put in. You don't get anything in return. Right. And let me, let me tell you this. This is another observation I think your, your listeners will appreciate. When you talk to a Hispanic voter, particularly a first, a first or second generation Hispanic voter, there are three things that they care about. 
the mantra is is over is repeated over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's God, country, and family. And if those aren't the values that people like you and I share, God, what is right? God, country, family. So we have many of these people are Republicans, and they don't even know it. Right. My campaign is to be dedicated. <laughs> They're discovering it. <laughs> that's they just, great. They just figured it out. You know? Yeah. It took inflation to say that's it. You know that we've had enough. They say no moss. <laughs> yes. All right, Dominic Rapini, thanks for being here. Tell people your website again. Yeah, dominicforct.us. Please come in there and sign and volunteer for my campaign. We have a lot of work to do, and we're building an army of freedom across Connecticut. dominicforct.us. God bless each and every one of you. Dominic, thank you so much. Come back and see us again soon, okay? You think, thanks, Todd. Bye-bye. Dominic Rapini running for Secretary of the State. 860-522-9842. Do we have, yeah, it's Scott in Bloomfield. Hi, Scott. Hello there. Good afternoon. All right. So real quick, and I'll just kind of hang up and let you think about it. All right. So in, in, in England in 2021, there were 46,000 stabbings. Stabbings. Okay. This is a Western civilization problem where we're, we're just uncivilized. One thing that I think contributes to it is, do you remember back in like the, like 1970s, maybe the early 80s, when, all the stores were closed on Sundays, you know, and what I remember it well. Yes. It was family time. It was family. Yes. Time. You went to grandma's house. You had dinner. You saw your aunts and your uncles and you goddamn knew everybody. And, it and, was the, like, and the cars stayed in the driveway for the most absolutely. part. Absolutely. You had to go to the bank on Friday or maybe Saturday That's morning, right. get your money. Cause there was no such thing as an ATM. You had to, it was family time. This is why everybody's like Republicans hate Democrats. Democrats hate Republicans, blah, blah, blah. Just get some, I mean, look, you know what? And finally, and what they did at that point, they opened some stores around and they allowed the stores to stay open until noon. And then they creeped some other law in that said, well, you could keep, keep them open till two. Then they creeped another one that said, you can keep the stores open on Sunday till six. At six o'clock, your whole darn day is over. So forget about your family then. You know, come on, get back to, you love your family that much. Have a day off. You know, every country has something like that. You know, there's family time, there's a religious time, and you know, I don't care if you're religious or not, but there's something valuable about that time that keeps everything into perspective so people can, like, love each other. You know, let's, you know, come on, man. You know, well, I mean, how much money do you need? Go, you know, thank God we had COVID. I saw people walking around with their families, teenagers walking in the park with their families, sometimes even holding their parents' hands. Wow. I hope All you right, got a video so, of that. So, cause... so this is a Western civilization problem with uncivilized nonsense like you know that's becoming criminal and nobody's there to you know stop the nonsense you know look at the stabbing deaths deaths in england right you know it, it is like you know take away the guns go ahead do what you want there's gonna people are gonna find another way to kill you and stab you and do all this other stuff so do whatever the heck you want you know Scott, but like but i've like, got to hold you right there but family. Thank you very much for sharing that rant. Appreciate hearing from you. 860-522-9842. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 